This message is intended to be listened to after viewing a short video excerpt from Star Wars Episode 7. To find this video clip, click the link in the SoundCloud description below or visit joyeugene.com blockbuster. You can watch it now. All right, come on. Woo! I had a, that was me. I'm Poe Dameron. If you didn't know, I'm the actor in that film. So just I wanted to bring that out today to enlighten you all. Just kidding. So have you ever watched Star Wars in church before? Like, ever done that? No. So awesome. How many of you love Star Wars? Like, I heard some cheers when you see the, the yellow come down and the music. It's pretty awesome. I love Star Wars, and it's so great. And it's amazing because it captures our imagination. I remember when I was a kid... Uh, my uncle was kind of famous for making bootlegged movies. And this was back when, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and we used these things called VHSs. Anybody remember? You, you carved things on stone tablets, and you watched movies on VHS. And for all the young people under 30, it was like uh, these black canisters that somehow magically you put them into these large machines called VCRs, and they played VHS. Now, the thing about a VHS is that you, it wasn't like a DVD where you can just start it over. You had to rewind the movie. So it was like a chore. After you watch the movie, you got a chore. have to rewind. And movie stores were really judgmental. They'd be like, be kind, please rewind. And if you didn't rewind, you were like a war criminal. Anyways, I remember getting the movie Return of the Jedi on a bootlegged copy and watching it over and over and over. It was awesome. That's the best Star Wars movie, I think. This one is great that we just watched. The newest one, I think, is amazing. But the... Uh, but the Return of the Jedi, because Ewoks, right? Yeah. Ewoks are awesome. We actually have three Ewoks um, at home. I mean, they're basically little furry creatures that roam around and squeak and make funny noises. That's what we have. Penny especially is an Ewok. And she's only slightly less furry, but just slightly than an Ewok. I actually walked in today and a little kid was like, Chewbacca. So uh, it's kind of hairy or whatever. I don't know. Okay, anyways. Did you get some popcorn? All right, I love to hear the munching of popcorn while I preach. I feel a little jealous, and if I could figure out how to preach and eat popcorn at the same time, I would do it, but you enjoy it without me. Don't feel bad at all, maybe slightly. But there's so many connections with Star Wars and our real world. Now, for all the super geeks in the left-hand side of the theater over here, it's not a true story, you guys, just in case you're thinking it's a, in a galaxy far, far away. No, it's it's not a true story, so just in case you're wondering. But the Star Wars story and our story, our universe, have so much in common. There's this great galactic cosmic struggle between good and evil. There's this undercurrent of the supernatural. You know, in the Star Wars universe, you have the Force, right? Luke used the Force. And there's the, the dark side of the Force, and there's the light side of the Force. And I know there's some kind of New Age connotations in the Star Wars story, but in our universe in the real world, we are in the middle of a struggle between good and evil. We are in the middle of a struggle between the forces of good and the forces of, uh, forces of light, the forces of darkness. And one of the most important questions that you will answer and that I will answer in my life is, am I on the right side? Am I playing for the right team? You know, in the clip that we just watched, we saw a stormtrooper who gets the name Finn and he becomes enlightened or he awakens to the fact that he is playing for the wrong team, right? 
he has that moment where there's the bloody handprint that, that he gets on his helmet, he realizes, and then, and then Kylo Ren says, kill the innocent villagers, except for you can't understand it because he has all that stuff on his face. But he's like, <laughs> you know, kill the villagers. And, and, and Finn doesn't shoot. He's awakening to the fact that he's playing for the wrong team, that he's on the wrong side. Now, have you ever been on the wrong side and, and realized it before? You know, how do you know you're on the wrong side? One good clue is if like the leader of the thing you're, you're in, if they wear all black robes <laughs> and they cut people in half with lightsabers, you might be in the wrong club. <laughs> Slightly. You know, if the person that you're following always wears a mask and talks like this, you might have a problem. I saw Deanna, she had that mask on out there taking a picture. That was awesome. You know, it, you, you might wake up to the reality, I think I need to change teams. You ever found yourself in this position? Maybe not with, you know, the lightsaber part, but the other things. That someone, you know, you might clue in. Well, what's happening when Finn awakens to this reality that he needs to change sides? It's a picture of what we call repentance. Now, repentance is, is a big, fancy spiritual word. And for some of you, it might be intimidating. Like, what does that mean? And, oh, great, another Turner Burn sermon. And uh, it's not a Turner Burn sermon. You're eating popcorn in a movie theater. Come on. You know, what does this word repentance mean? Well, the biblical term in Greek is the word metanoia, and it means to change your mind. It means that, that to realize you're going the wrong way and to stop, to think about it, to, to realize that's not right. It, it indicates regret or remorse at some level. And it really means to stop the direction you're going, to change your mind, and to go a different direction. That's what repentance is. And so when we saw Finn kind of waking up to the fact that he's on the wrong side, playing for the wrong team, going in the wrong direction, we're seeing a picture of repentance indicating a change of direction. Have you ever been heading one way thinking you're really on track and you realize I'm actually going the opposite direction of the way I need to go? Anybody? Bethany and I have had the opportunity a few times to be in one of our favorite cities in the world in Budapest, Hungary, and it's an awesome old European city, kind of the Imperial Habsburgs put bajillions of dollars into it to just make it beautiful. But the Hungarian language, it sounds like what they speak in Mordor. Um, you can't understand it at all. And it's, it has no Latin root. It's actually a unique language. Uh, only it's, the, it's their own language. It's a little bit Slavic, some Latin, but I mean, it's, it's indecipherable. You cannot understand anything. And so we go and we like to ride the public transit, not because we're cool, it's because we're cheap. And um, so we ride the subway and the bus and all this kind of stuff. But in Hungary, you can't understand or read what their words are. I, I mean, it, it looks like an alien language. I'm not kidding. And you see words, and if it sounds like an English word, and you take it as an English word, you're going to be wrong and mess up. And it's just, it's, it's hard to get around. And so in the train stations, we figured out that, you know, we can't understand any of the stations. It's like, uzgi, buzgi, bajgi, uzgi. That's exactly what it sounds like, isn't it? And they come over the loudspeaker, and it sounds like Kylo Ren is the guy on the train. Where am I at? We figured out, though, that if you will memorize the, what the last word, the destination on, you know, you get on a train, and it goes to a bunch of different stops, but the very last one, that it will give you an indication of the direction that you're supposed to, supposed to go. And so what we realize is that if we understand the destination, if we understand, if we can remember where we're supposed to go, we can get on a train anywhere and not understand the words and everything, but we can get to where we need to go. We can go in the right direction. You know, a lot of people 
are in a certain sphere of life. They're at a, a moment in their life and they're looking around at what's going on and they're going, well, I don't know if I'm really going the right direction. I don't know if I'm headed the right way. What's really important to understand is the destination. What's at the end of the line that you're heading towards? How do you know if you're going the right direction? Think about where you are in your life right now, your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions, your choices, your spiritual condition, your family. And if that were to play out over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 25 years, would you like where you end up or not? And if not, then maybe God is awakening you to the reality that you're heading the wrong direction. And you say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. Repentance isn't really for me. I already repented. I already gave my life to Jesus. I would say to you, au contraire, which is French for something. Just classing it up a little bit. The reality is that repentance is every bit as much for Christians as it is for those that don't yet know Jesus. Because continually in our life, we're going to find ourselves going the wrong way, making wrong decisions, doing wrong things. And repentance is not just when you first come to Christ. It's, it's a part of the, the following that we go on with Jesus, this walk with Jesus. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, we all want progress. You knew the C.S. Lewis quote was coming. I haven't given you one in a few weeks, but here it is. He said, we all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. Going back is the quickest way on. I want to tell you this morning that maybe you find yourself in an advanced state of wrong direction. That you've gotten on a train and you've taken it to the end of the line or you're on your way to the end of the line and, and maybe today your eyes will be open and you'll realize like Finn does, I'm not going the right way. I need to go a different direction, but I'm too far. I've gone too far. I'm too wrong. I've done too much. I can't get back to God. In fact, I'm not worthy even of that and I'm just going to keep moving forward and see what happens. I'm just going to tell you, no, the quickest way is to stop and to go the other direction. This is what repentance is. And now repentance was a core message. I mean, if you were to hear Jesus speak 2,000 years ago, you were at the Sermon on the Mount or, or hearing Jesus speak, you would have heard him talk about repentance. It was core to his teaching. It says in Matthew 4, 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. You see, when Jesus said repent, it wasn't just feel bad for what you've done. Repentance also has this idea that you don't just, you're going one way, but you also turn and you go the other way. So it was re repent of your sins, acknowledge where you're going is wrong, but don't just stay there and say, I'm bad, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm wrong. Turn around and go towards God. Repent and turn of your, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus talked about this idea that God, he's brought his kingdom to earth and all of us are welcome to come and be a part of his family. All of us are welcome to come and take a seat at his table and get full refrigerator rights, which is what you want in the family. Come on, somebody. Man, my refrigerator right now is looking really good, and I'll tell you why. First of all, my wife is an amazing cook. It's incredible. She's like, well, I'll make you a stromboli for lunch. We're going to have red curry for dinner. This was yesterday's meal plan. I'm like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, But my friend John, he was at first service. He came by in his truck and he said, hey, I got all this free ice cream. Hello. You know, would you like some? Would I like some? How soon can you be here? So he pulled up. 
I told him he needs to get like a, a musical thing for his, you know, a, a horn or something siren. So when he pulls up. Anyways, he opens up this freezer in the back of his truck and it was like, it was like legal drugs. <laughs> it's awesome. There was Butterfinger Bites, frozen Butterfinger Bites, ice cream Butterfinger Bites. Hallelujah. There was Haagen-Dazs bars. There was all kinds of pints of ice cream. It comes in pints? Yeah. You know, it was all in there. And, and man, getting, I don't know what I'm preaching about right now, but it was an awesome time. Oh, yeah. So we got all this ice cream and put it in our freezer. And man, if you have refrigerator rights at our house, dang, it is a good place to be. God's family, there it's so much better. Everything that he's made available and accessible to us. And this is what Jesus is saying is that God wants you in his family. God's front door is open. His kingdom is now here. His kingdom is near. So wake up, repent from your sins. Realize you're going the wrong direction and turn to God. Turn to God. Now it's amazing when you, you look at the story of Finn and you see what, what happened to him and his awakening. It's amazingly similar to a story that we see in the scriptures. One of the most famous biblical characters is a guy that, that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've ever been to church probably once or twice, you've probably heard about the Apostle Paul. How many of you have heard of Paul? And we know that Paul was an awesome man of God and he preached the word of God and he carried the gospel all over the known world and he started hundreds of churches and God used him to write half the New Testament and so much of our great theology comes from, from the Apostle Paul. But Paul didn't start as Paul. He started off and he had a different name. His name was Saul. And, his, and Saul of Tarsus grew up as a religious jerk, just to put it in plain language. He was a Pharisee. But not only was he a Pharisee, he was the most dedicated. He was the most learned. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Paul, who ended up being one of the greatest Christian missionaries ever, started off as a persecutor, as a, as a murderer of Christians. He stood by while Stephen was stoned to death and he held the coats of the people that did it. Saul was against Jesus. He was on the wrong train and it happened to be a bullet train and he was going really fast in the wrong way. But we see this amazing instance that took place in Acts chapter 9. It says he went to the high priest. In verse 2, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. This is a bad guy. He's a bad guy. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul begins to come alive, come awake to what's happening. He says, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. It says, the men with Saul, Saul, the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. So Saul picked him up, picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Let me just say something right now. Oftentimes in the process of repentance, when your eyes are opened is when you realize that you're blind. 
You see, it's very interesting that Saul thinks that his eyes are wide open. You see, he's not persecuting Christians because it's fun. He's not persecuting Christians just because he's a bad dude. He's doing it because he thinks he's going the right direction. You'll often find that with some of the worst people, they are the most convinced that their path is correct, that it's right. Because you see, when we're going the wrong way, oftentimes we think that our eyes are open, but our eyes are not. We're blind. And so when Saul's eyes are opened, that's when he realizes, I can't see. Maybe today during this message, the Lord is going to open your eyes and you're going to realize, I don't see. And maybe you're going to discover that like Finn in the movie, he needed a pilot to get him out of the situation that he was in. Maybe you'll realize like Saul of Tarsus that you need somebody. There's going to be a disciple of the Lord that's going to help him in this story as we move forward. But also you might realize like me and, and so many that, that in the, the direction you're going, that you need a savior, that you need someone to rescue you out of that place of bondage, that place of despair. But it starts with realizing that you can't see. My dad said something to me one time, and I was, I think I was like 15 or 16 years old, so I knew everything, you know. And, uh, and he said to me, son, we never see as clearly as when we're deceived. And it stuck with me because I was deceived in a certain aspect and I was going a certain direction and he said, that's not the right way. And I was like, no, dad, I'm 15 years old. I'm a man, you know, I know. And he's like, no, you don't. But I had a good, good father. And, and uh, he said, son, we never see as clearly as when we're deceived. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized, okay, there's something to that, isn't there? That oftentimes we think we see, but we don't see. And we actually need to have our eyes open so we can realize that we're blind, that we don't see. And it goes on in, in Acts chapter 9. It says, Now there was a believer, this is verse 10, in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. He's praying to me right now. I want to let you know, maybe you feel trapped in your life of sin and darkness and despair. Maybe you're waking up and realizing I'm going the wrong way. Did you know that God is hearing your prayer and he's already behind the scenes orchestrating the means of your deliverance? Already behind the scenes, moving things, shaping things, working things, because his intent and his purpose is to redeem every one of us into relationship with himself. As much as we think, oh, my eyes are open and I repent and I turn to God, so much more, God is already working to redeem and ransom you, to open your eyes, to get to you. The story of the gospel is not that we somehow work our way to God. It's that God has somehow worked his way to us and stepped down and come into our situation and is providing rescue, providing reconciliation for us. And so God is sending Ananias. In verse 12, I've shown him a vision of you coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was a, Saul was a bad guy and Ananias is saying to the Lord, 
he's a bad guy. And God says, I know. But you know, God wants to do really good things with really bad people. You see, in, in our story of life, we're not really um, the hero, the protagonist, the, the one that kind of figures everything out. We're more like Kylo Ren. We're really more like the bad guy. And, and the, the amazing thing about God, what he wants to do, is he wants to take bad people and have them do good things. How many bad guys are here? How many bad ladies are here? You know, you, you, you've gone the wrong way. You, you were kind of like Saul of Tarsus on the, on the train going the wrong direction. And maybe for some of you, it was drugs and alcohol. It was immorality. Maybe for others of you, is that you're a religious jerk and you think you're perfect. Come on. Maybe for some of you, it's that everybody else, there's something that you can criticize. Everybody else, you can pull them down. Whatever it is, but you've gone the wrong way and you're not the hero of the story. Newsflash, I'm not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. But when he comes in, he can take your bad reputation, your bad name, your bad actions, your bad deeds. He can take all that package and by the power of his blood shed on the cross, he can, he can wash it away and reconcile you to God. And, you, and he can use you to do good things, even though you're a bad guy. And that's the amazing thing about repentance is that in a moment, Jesus can enter into your story and everything can be completely different. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. And all who heard him, it says, were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? It says in verse 22, this is a huge turnaround. What repentance can do. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. See, he was going the wrong way, but now he's on the right way. He's moving the right way. And not only is he going the right way, but he's picking up momentum. He's going the right way now. More and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. You see, he'd worked so hard against Jesus. And sometimes those that push the hardest against God are the ones that God recruits to be his heroes, his champions. Why? Because if they will run hard in the wrong direction, they'll probably run hard in the right direction. God doesn't like people that do things in half measures. God doesn't, it talks about being lukewarm. He says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, hey, if you want to be a sinner, go sin it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus unapologetically. I am a believer in Jesus. I love Jesus. So I'm going to go all the way for Jesus. But if I was going to go be a sinner, if I was going to pursue darkness, I'm going to be a criminal mastermind or die trying. I'm going to steal all the money. I'm going to find the hardest drugs. I'm going to find the, what, I don't know anything about drugs or alcohol, so I'm sorry. So I'll probably sound like a total idiot. The hardest booze. You know, I'm going to go do whatever I can. If I'm going to go be a sinner, I'm going to go all the way. How many of you are like, that was my life plan. That's basically what I was, I was doing. Good for you. Because when God gets a hold of you, 
He can take that drive and say, now follow me and go in this direction. Saul was going so hard against, but when he turned his heart to God, God used him and now he does great. He did great things for the kingdom of God. It's repentance, repentance. So get ready to wrap up today. I want to give you a couple thoughts. The first one is this. You know, a lot of people, they hear a word about repentance and they think, no, I've, I've gone too far. I've done too much wrong and God could never use me and I'm not worthy to receive grace. I'm not worthy to receive forgiveness. And the reality is there is no point in your life at which you become worthy now to receive the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. The reality is that there is no such thing as too far gone. You cannot outrun the, the provision that Christ has made for you. We sang that song today. I love it. Even if I made my bed in hell, there you'd be. We talked about it in staff meeting. We're like, should we sing this song? You know, I made my bed in hell. Maybe people will think it's weird. And I'm like, I like it. Let's sing it. Because it's from the Bible. And what it's saying is literally you could go to the place that's most associated with darkness and, and death and evil. And even there you can't hide from God. Yeah, I'm just here to tell you right now, maybe you have sinned it up and you've given your life to sin and darkness and maybe you cut somebody in half with a lightsaber. I don't know. But Jesus right now has brought you to this moment so you can turn in repentance. So you can turn and say, I see the error of my ways. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to his kingdom. It's not about your past. It's about your future. See, we don't talk about Saul of Tarsus. We talk about Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ. Saul, his trajectory was to be one of the most evil people, but his future was transformed by an act of repentance, by the grace of God, by Jesus who got into his story and he became Paul, the apostle, who gave his entire life for the advancement of the church. And did you know that this man who underwent an act of repentance is literally the reason that you're sitting here today and that I'm here today? Unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. And if you're a Gentile, you're only here because Paul opened up the gospel. Because these apostles of God, they looked outside of even their, their barriers and boundaries and they brought the gospel to Gentile people so that all the nations of the earth could come and take part and be part of the church. So we're here because God turned somebody's story around. And so I want to tell you today, it's not about your past, it's about your future. It's about what God can and will and wants to do inside of your life. You know, the other thing that happens is that sometimes we think, again, I'm too far gone and maybe I have to work my way. I have to come to church for a few weeks and then I can repent or I have to pray a prayer the certain way and I have to wait and there's this future time in which it'll be the time to repent. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you right now that now is the best time to repent. And I don't just mean now like today. I mean any time you sin, immediately is the best time to repent. Followers of Jesus, you know, we deal with condemnation. When you're a servant of Christ and you screw up and you mess up and then you think, oh, I'm such a piece of garbage and I suck. It happens to me, right? Anybody else there? Man, I suck. I did that again. Ugh, I hate myself. I'm the worst. Do you know that's the moment to run to Jesus? Immediately. Always now. Right now is the best time to repent. Why go the wrong way one minute more? Why go the wrong way one year more? Why give any more of the precious gift of your life to the wrong direction when God wants to take you forward in his purposes and his plans? 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Somebody say now. Today is the day of salvation. Right now. Pastor, when's the best time to repent? Now. You mean right now, today? Yes. And then any other moment that you, that is now. Always now. Always now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. What's the best time to repent? Right now. Well, I don't understand everything about it. And I feel like I'm kind of, you know, taking a leap of faith. Good. Is the direction you're going the way you want to be or should you get and go the other way? What's the destination? See, wherever Jesus wants to take you is going to be better than where you're going right now. And so don't wait because God has brought you to this place. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, what's the best time to repent right now? This morning as we wrap up, I want to talk to you about how to repent. And I asked my wife, I said, is this cheesy? She's like, yeah, kind of, but it'll work. What's the process of repentance? How many of you remember in school when you did a fire drill, right? And there was this three-step formula. And it was if you caught on fire that you have to do three things. What do you do? You stop, you drop, and roll. You stop, drop, and roll. And I thought about it and I thought, that's a perfect picture of what repentance is. You see, when you're going the wrong way, you stop, you drop to your knees, and you say, Jesus, will you please forgive me of my sin? Jesus, I'm going the wrong way. And then you roll on in your life towards Christ. You see, when you fall, fall forward. You stop. I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to drop to my knees in repentance, and I'm going to roll on in my life with Jesus. Jesus.